Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. God loves you. God wants to bless you and prosper you, but you have to respond in faith. I was able to take that, believing it, and move ahead and operate in giving, believing for a harvest and getting harvest every time. Once I did that, I made more money than ever. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach through a series that I've entitled Financial Stewardship. I've got a book on this, DVDs, CDs, and I'm giving this book away to you. Also, you can have either the CDs or the DVDs as our gift. If you want the study guide, if you want the extra DVD that has people's uh, testimony about their financial breakthroughs, uh, we do have a suggested price on that. But just to keep anybody from thinking I'm teaching on this just so I can get you to give to me, we're giving these materials away to you. And uh, I would encourage you to get it. Uh, I've, this is now the beginning of my fifth week of teaching on this. And yesterday I started talking about the tithe. And a verse that I've used just about every single day is 1 Corinthians 13, 3, where it talks about if you give with the wrong motive, if you give all of your goods to feed the poor, or if you give your body to be burned, and don't do it motivated by charity, which is God's kind of love. It profits you nothing. So you've got to have the right attitude. And that's the reason I entitled this teaching Financial Stewardship. It's not about just prosperity. It's not about you just getting rich. And if that's what your motive is, well, then you've got the wrong motive. And you aren't going to really see the blessing of God come to pass. So I already spent four weeks on that. Yesterday, I started talking about the tithe. And let me just go back to these verses in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And then verse 9 says, You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And yesterday I was contrasting this with the New Covenant, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and there's a lot of verses. I'll be using these more. But in verse 7, it says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Did you know being a cheerful giver and then giving, because if you don't give, you're cursed with the curse. Those are opposite motivations. And yesterday I was explaining some of the reasons that under the old covenant, God motivated people through fear of punishment was a lot of it because their heart hadn't been changed. Before we get born again, every one of us have a heart. It says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, that the heart is evil and desperately wicked. Who can know it? People at their core aren't basically good. We're basically bad. Now, when you get born again, you receive a new nature, and therefore we have a new covenant that has better promises, but it's all built around this thing that we now have a changed nature. But before people could be born again, in the Old Testament, God used fear of punishment as one of the motivations to get them to do the right thing. And that is exactly what's happening right here in Malachi chapter 3. And he's telling them that they are cursed with the curse. Let me turn over and compare this with Galatians chapter 3. And in Galatians chapter 3, the apostle Paul is talking about us being out from under the law and uh, boy, there's a lot of powerful verses here. I haven't got time to read them all. In verse 11, it says, But that no man 
is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith and the law is not of faith. Man, that is one radical statement. Did you know most Christians today would reject that? But I'm reading this to you straight out of the Bible. The law is not of faith. Put that together with Romans 14, 23. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. It's sin for a believer to try and live by the Old Testament law. Now, the Old Testament law isn't sin. The Old Testament law was perfect, but because we were sinners and had a fallen nature, it was, it was just impossible that we could ever fulfill the law. The law wasn't given for you to fulfill. It was given to show you what God's perfect standard was and how incomplete or fall, far short you fell of that perfect standard so that you would quit being self-righteous and trusting in yourself and instead you'd call out to God for help. That's the real purpose of the law was to condemn you and to show you your need for salvation. So the law isn't a faith. And if you were trying to live by this Old Testament law, if you're living by Malachi chapter 3, where if you don't tithe, you are cursed with the curse, you are living under the Old Testament law, and you cannot please God without faith. It says in verse 12, the law is not a faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that you might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So you've got to put this together. I, this is part of our new covenant that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. This doesn't mean that we're redeemed from doing what's right. It doesn't mean that we now can go out and just live in sin and everything's fine. But it means that we are no longer cursed. We are no longer judged and punished. God put our judgment that we deserved upon Jesus. And so I'm going to say this in more detail. I don't know if I'll get to this today, but the tithe is not just Old Testament. It was in effect before the Old Testament law was given. You can read in Genesis chapter 14 that Abraham came back from a battle and he had this huge amount of spoil, probably millions of dollars of equivalent, and he took tithes and paid them to Melchizedek. And this is referred to in Hebrews chapter 7. You can also see that Jacob in the 28th chapter of the book of Genesis, that when he was fleeing from his brother Esau, he, he slept in a place that he later named Bethel, and he saw in a vision this ladder extending into heaven and angels ascending and descending upon it. And he said, this is nothing but the house of God. And he said, God, if you will protect me and bless me and bring me back safely across this river, then I will serve you and I'll give you a tenth of everything. So here's Abraham and then his grandson, Jacob, paying tithes. And so tithes were things that were done in before the Old Testament law was given. But when the law was given, there was always a curse attached to those who didn't keep the law. So the curse of the Old Testament law, not the tithe, but the curse attached to the tithe, we have now been delivered from that. And I just want to say that even if you aren't tithing, if you don't give, if you don't tithe, God loves you anyway. Now, I believe that you're stupid if you don't tithe. And I'm going to be showing you the, the benefits 
of giving uh, the rest of this week and all of next week. I'm going to be talking about this. If you don't tithe, you're, you're stupid if you don't tithe. But I'm saying that God loves you, stupid. He is not mad at you. He is not cursing you anymore. We aren't under this curse. And so for you to take Malachi chapter 3 and just say to people that if you don't tithe, you're cursed with the curse. I believe that that's not rightly dividing the Word of God. You aren't fully understanding and enjoying the new covenant. Let me point something else out right here in Malachi chapter 3 and in verse 8. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. I've heard this verse used my entire life. People trying to motivate people to tithe and they'll say, Man, you are robbing God if you don't tithe. But they just conveniently leave out that it says you have robbed him in tithes and offerings. You know, the word tithe just means 10%. It's an old English word for 10%. And so there was a 10% that you were supposed to tithe, pay to God. But then there were also offerings on top of that. One of my friends, I've never personally done this, but a friend of mine, a minister, he went through and added up all of the offerings that were prescribed. You had to give an offering every new moon. You had to give an offering every time you had a firstborn, whether of your children or of your animals. You had to give an offering on all of the feast days. Uh, there was just an offering, all of these different things that you do, a wave offering, a heave offering. He went through and added up all of the offerings, and he said that according to his figures, that your tithes and offerings amounted to about 33%, a third of everything that you get. So people conveniently say, man, you're robbing God if you aren't paying your tithes. Well, if you're going to be scriptural, you have to say you're robbing God if you don't pay your tithes and offerings, unless you're giving 33% or more, then you would come under this curse. And I can guarantee there's a lot of people that preach the tithe and use this as a club to beat people, and they aren't giving 33%. So even by their own standards, even if you don't understand the new covenant, if you don't understand that we are redeemed from the curse of the law, there's a lot of people that aren't uh, dividing this scripture properly because if you're going to live under the curse of Malachi chapter 3, then unless you give one-third of everything you got, you are under a curse. Man, you had better crawl out from under the curse of Malachi chapter 3 if you really want to prosper. There's probably the majority of people watching this program right now that you do not give 33% or more of your income to the Lord. And unless you understand the things I'm talking about and the freedom that we have in Christ today, well, then many of you are going to come under this curse, and uh, that's not what God intended. Again, the Old Testament law was not really given for you to keep it and thereby earn relationship with God. It was to show you such a perfect standard, what God intended man to be, that it showed us our sin. It showed us our need for God. It was to drive us to God. It was to drive us to our knees. You know, I heard a story about a guy that went to heaven. I think I mentioned this earlier in this series, but so I won't go through the whole thing. But anyway, he was thinking he could get in by his own good works. And they said, you have to have 100 on this uh, questionnaire. You have to get 100 points. And so they said, uh, you know, hey, did you go to church? Oh, yeah, that was worth half a point. Did you love your wife? Were you faithful? I was faithful to my wife. That's worth one point. Did you pay your tithes? That's worth half a point. And anyway, after a dozen questions, he had like five points. 
And uh, finally, he just says, my God, if this is what you demand, have mercy on me. And the angel says, come right on in. <laughs> Amen. That was the purpose was to get people away from projecting and pronouncing their own goodness and thinking that somehow or another they deserve to have a relationship with God. God gave this law that was so perfect that it just made us uh, recognize that, God, if this is what you demand, have mercy on me. And that's what he was driving you to. The law is supposed to drive you to the grace of God because nobody can ever keep it. So this curse that was placed upon people in the Old Testament, we don't need to be giving with that motivation. We need to purify our hearts and recognize that under the new covenant, God wants you to give, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to say some things that people who are really strong on the tithe will hate and probably criticize me over. But, you know, I believe that if you struggle in this area of giving, that it would be better for you to give 1% or 2% or 5% or whatever you can give and give it with the right attitude and give it in faith and give it out of love rather than to give 10% or 20% out of duress and do it grudgingly and under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. And I believe it would be better for you to just start where your faith is and build up. Now, let me say this, that I believe that under the new covenant, what we have is infinitely better than what we had under the old covenant. And if the old covenant prescribed 10% in tithe and up to 33% in tithes and offerings, well, then I believe under the new covenant, man, what God has done for us is so much greater than the animal sacrifices and the things that they had that I believe that New Testament believers ought to be able to give even more. We ought to be able to see the supernatural provision of God in our lives and, and experience this much more than the Old Testament people did. You know, again, I'm not saying these things for any purpose except to illustrate what I'm talking about. But my wife and I, this is what we do personally. This is just what we feel comfortable with. I'm giving as I purpose in my heart. I believe that God's given us that freedom. So my wife and I, we have a give account and we give 25% of everything that we get gross just automatically goes in this give account. And that, we never touch it except to give. Now that's not all of the giving that we did. Last year, we gave away 120% of our income. There's been a number of years that I've given away more in a year's time than I get in a year's time. I can't do that every year, so, but I don't know what it averages out, but we, we give a minimum of 25% that goes into this give account, and then we give thousands of dollars. My wife mostly gives by check and stuff, but I just give cash to people all the time, and I give thousands of dollars to people, and this is talking about our personal give account, not our ministry and stuff. And so I don't know exactly what we give, but I can guarantee you it's at least 40, 50% or, or more. And this is just what I purpose in my heart. I believe that believers ought to be doing at least what was done under the old covenant. But again, I say that you need to do it as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. And if you haven't been faithful in your giving, and if this is a struggle for you, it would be better for you to give a smaller amount and do it with the right heart than to give a larger amount 
and do it with the wrong attitude. The attitude is more important than your gift. And that's what I've been trying to get across in this whole series is that the reason God wants us to give is not because He needs your money. You need to trust God. And you need to trust God in every area of your life. Not just in money, but in every area. But when it comes to finances, you know, you spend more time working and making a living than you do anything else. And people departmentalize their life and they get this section over here and they go to church one hour a week. Or if you're really spiritual, you go to church one hour a week and then you have a 15 or 20 minute devotional every day. And a lot of people think, man, you are really doing something. But then you spend the rest of this time, you spend at least eight hours a day, probably more than that, many of you, making a living, and that just is totally disconnected from the Lord. How does how do you get to where you're trusting God with your whole life? Not just a Sunday or a devotion, but your whole life is committed to God. One of the ways you do it is by, in this area of finances, you take finances, you take money that you got in return for your work or your talents, and you give it. To God, you are bringing God right into your finances. You're getting to where you aren't looking at that job as your source. Even though God wants us to work and He wants us to put our hands onto something, He said He'd bless the work of your hands. A hundred times zero is zero. So I'm not saying you don't work, but you make God your source. And God is just using that job or your talent or your abilities. And you've got to see God as your source. You need to have God be the Lord of every part of your life. And finances, work is the biggest part of most of our lives. How do you get God involved? You take a portion of it and you give it to God. You say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm not trusting in my abilities. I'm not even trusting in this job. I'm trusting you. And this job is just one of the channels that you're using to get finances to me, but they are not my source. Again, I know that what I'm saying, this is radical to people, but you know, even back when I, when I first got back from Vietnam, I was, I didn't know what God wanted me to do and I was seeking the Lord and I had a friend that poured concrete for a living. And he said, do you want to come out and just help us? They needed some help. So I went out and I, anyway, I worked for this guy for probably, I don't know, a month or two free. I was just helping my friend who worked for his boss and working concrete is hard work. After a few months, uh, you know, I got to where uh, he, he put me on staff and I started being paid. But there was times that he got in a bind, this boss. I remember one Christmas Eve, we worked until 12 o'clock at night. It turned cold and we had to keep working this foundation or we were going to lose it. We worked until 12 o'clock at night and we got up on Christmas Day and went back out. And I did all of that free. Wasn't even being paid for it. And so my point is that, yes, I worked, but that job wasn't my source. I worked for free. For Actually, my boss got into trouble and I loaned him some money. <laughs> I probably wound up losing money working pouring concrete for this guy. But you know what? I was working and I was doing things, but God was my source. And I have lived this way. I have never looked at a job as being my source. I look at God as my source and God uses this job. And when you do that, it just changes everything. So you've got to recognize that these Old Testament 
SCRIPTURES WHERE THERE WAS A CURSE PLACED UPON YOU IF YOU DIDN'T TITHE, THAT WE'VE BEEN REDEEMED FROM THAT, AND NOW GOD WANTS YOU TO JUST GIVE AS YOU PURPOSE IN YOUR HEART. I BELIEVE THAT IT OUGHT TO BE AT LEAST AS MUCH AS WE SEE IN THE OLD TESTAMENT, BUT IF YOU AREN'T UP TO THAT, JUST START SOMEPLACE. IT'D BE BETTER TO TAKE A PORTION OF WHAT YOU'VE GOT, EVEN IF IT'S NOT 10%, AND GIVE IT WITH THE RIGHT HEART. BECAUSE, MAN, WHEN YOU GIVE WITH THE RIGHT HEART, IT'S LIKE PUTTING MIRACLE GROW ON THAT SEED THAT YOU JUST PLANTED. IT WILL START PRODUCING SUPERNATURALLY. BUT IF YOU GIVE GRUDGINGLY AND OF NECESSITY, IF YOU GIVE ALL OF YOUR GOODS TO FEED THE POOR, IF YOU GIVE YOUR BODY TO BE BURNED AND DON'T DO IT MOTIVATED BY GOD'S KIND OF LOVE, IT PROFITS YOU NOTHING. YOU KILL THE RETURN ON IT. AND THIS IS WHERE A LOT OF PEOPLE ARE LIVING, AND IT'S BECAUSE THEY DON'T UNDERSTAND THAT UNDER THE NEW COVENANT, MAN, WE'VE BEEN REDEEMED FROM THE CURSE OF THE LAW. WE ARE NOT CURSED ANYMORE. GOD IS NOT CURSING YOU IF YOU DON'T TITHE. IF YOU DON'T TITHE, YOU AREN'T VERY SMART. I'M NOT SAYING YOU'RE DOING THE RIGHT THING, BUT GOD LOVES YOU. HE'S NOT MAD AT YOU. AND YOU NEED TO START GIVING OUT OF THE RIGHT MOTIVATION. AND SO I'VE GOT A LOT MORE TO SHARE ON THIS, BUT uh, IF YOU COULD JUST UNDERSTAND THAT THE NEW COVENANT HAS REMOVED THE CURSE, THAT DOESN'T MEAN THAT WE DON'T DO WHAT'S RIGHT, BUT YOU AREN'T CURSED BY GOD. YOU NEED TO GIVE CHEERFULLY AS YOU PURPOSE IN YOUR HEART. AND IF YOU DO THAT WITH THE RIGHT ATTITUDE, IT WOULD JUST START A SUPERNATURAL FLOW OF FINANCES TOWARDS YOU. AND AGAIN, I'M SAYING THIS ON THE AUTHORITY OF THESE SCRIPTURES, BUT I'M ALSO GIVING MY OWN PERSONAL TESTIMONY THAT GOD HAS BLESSED JAMIE AND ME. YOU'VE HEARD MY TESTIMONIES THAT WE WERE SO POOR WE COULDN'T PAY ATTENTION. MY FIRST YEAR'S INCOME WHEN I WAS MARRIED WAS $1,253. MY SECOND YEAR JUMPED UP TO $2,300. THIS IS AN ENTIRE GROSS YEAR'S INCOME, WHAT I FILED ON MY TAX RETURNS. AND WE HAVE COME, AND THAT'S WHEN I HAD $100 A MONTH RENT. I DON'T KNOW HOW IN THE WORLD WE SURVIVED. WE HAVE COME FROM THAT, AND GOD HAS BLESSED US. I WAS THINKING ABOUT THIS TODAY, AND I DON'T KNOW FOR SURE, BUT I I SUSPECT THAT I'VE PROBABLY GIVEN OVER A MILLION DOLLARS AWAY OVER MY LIFETIME IN GIVING. AND THAT'S, THAT'S AWESOME COMPARED THAT, MAN, I WAS SO POOR I COULDN'T GET OUT OF TOWN. I'M SAYING THAT ON THE AUTHORITY OF THE WORD OF GOD, WHAT I'M SAYING WORKS. AND BY MY OWN PERSONAL TESTIMONY, IT WORKS. AND THE REASON SOME OF YOU HAVEN'T SEEN THIS PROSPERITY, YOU HAVE GIVEN AND GIVEN AND GIVEN, AND IF YOU COULD SEE A HUNDREDFOLD RETURN ON EVERYTHING THAT YOU HAVE GIVEN, YOU WOULD BE SUPER PROSPEROUS. AND YET YOU HAVEN'T SEEN THAT. NOT BECAUSE GOD AND HIS WORD AREN'T TRUE, BUT BECAUSE OF THE ATTITUDE. IT PROFITS YOU NOTHING IF YOU GIVE WITH THE WRONG HEART. SO I TELL YOU, THIS TEACHING, I THINK, IT HAS TRANSFORMED MY LIFE. AND I HAVE PROSPERED SUPERNATURALLY. I BELIEVE IT'LL WORK FOR ANY OF YOU. THERE NEEDS TO BE A HEART ADJUSTMENT. AND THAT'S WHAT ALL OF THIS IS TALKING ABOUT. SO I'VE GOT THIS BOOK. THIS IS MY GIFT TO YOU. EITHER THIS BOOK IS OUR FREE GIFT TO YOU, OR YOU CAN GET EITHER MY CD'S OR DVD'S IF YOU'LL REQUEST THEM AS A GIFT. AND WE HAVE A PACKAGE DEAL WHERE YOU CAN ALSO GET A STUDY GUIDE. YOU CAN GET A DVD THAT HAS TESTIMONIES ABOUT OTHER PEOPLE. IF YOU'LL LISTEN TO OUR ANNOUNCER, HE'LL GIVE YOU ALL OF THE DETAILS ON THIS. I ENCOURAGE YOU TO PLEASE CALL OR WRITE, GET THESE MATERIALS, AND THEN JOIN ME AGAIN TOMORROW AS WE CONTINUE THE GOSPEL TRUTH. 
Andrew is offering his complete teaching on financial stewardship in your choice of either a book, CD album, or DVD album as his free gift to you today. Go to awmi.net to order your free product today. This offer is limited to one free product per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. This teaching is also available as a companion study guide for a gift of any amount when you contact us. Or you can get these valuable resources in the Financial Stewardship Package. This package includes the Financial Stewardship Book, Study Guide, and your choice of either the CD or DVD album, as well as the Financial Breakthroughs DVD. This DVD includes six testimonies of people that experience the freedom of turning their finances over to God. This package has a catalog value of $115, but you can get it today for only $80. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. We're pleased to announce our helpline is now open seven days a week, Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, and Saturday and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of December, Andrew will be in Woodland Park to host the musical production, The Heart of Christmas. The Heart of Christmas is an unforgettable mix of modern day biblical stories with heartwarming familiar seasonal songs and American traditions that represent the true meaning of the season. In January, start off the new year with Andrew and guest speaker Dennis Burke in Glendale, Arizona at the Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference. And in February, join Andrew and guest speaker Jeremy Pearsons in Orlando for a Gospel Truth Conference. Then Andrew will be speaking in Naples. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. If you haven't yet partnered with us, I'd like to encourage you to pray about it. And then if the Lord says so, join with us because we are taking the gospel not only through television, but we've got over 70 uh, different locations around the world, offices, I think in 16 different nations. Uh, we have uh, probably 8,000 students going through Karis Bible College at any time with over 8,000 graduates. We're pumping out millions and millions of free material through our website, over 200,000 free hours of material on our website. And we're just reaching all around the world. We couldn't do it without partners. And so I would like to ask you to pray about it. If you want to make a difference, I believe that this is a good ministry. You'll get a great return, not only in heaven, but in this life, you'll receive a hundredfold. So join with us and become a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries today. Welcome to the AWM Minute, a small glimpse on how the friends and partners of Andrew Womack Ministries are saving lives around the world. Lives like Scott Peterson. 
When a horrific car accident put Scott in the trauma unit, he was unconscious, on life support, and expected to lose one of his legs. While the doctors prognosed a very small chance of survival, his wife Diane stood her ground that by the stripes of Jesus, her husband was healed. I had to tap into what God's Word said. So I just opened up to Psalm 91 with long life. I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. That came alive to me. I felt that the Lord spoke to me. He's going to be okay. To the surprise of the entire medical staff, Scott made a miraculous recovery, and in a matter of weeks, he walked out of the hospital on his own two feet. To see Scott's full healing journey, visit awmi.net today.